Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak to Mark Selby, CEO of Canada Nickel Corp, whose listing shareholders will be pleased, up eight times from the beginning of the year. Uh, we talked through what happened in 2020, whether that was on target and uh, hit their hit their goals. Uh, we also look at 2021 and the number of things that they're, they're going to have to do uh, in an accelerated time frame to meet their targets. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, what their plans are, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. There is commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've got training videos on there to help you with your own diligence process. Uh, there are also summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time. And of course, if you feel like joining a thriving community of investors who share their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe uh, environment, free from trolling and abuse, you might like to go to cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Mark, how are you doing, sir? Excellent, sir. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, we have seen you since uh, the new year, um, but we thought we'd do a little catch up um, on last year, trying to understand yep. what you did, what you wanted to set out to do and what you ended up being able to do. And more importantly for us, it's just given me a sort of sense of all the things that are coming through um, this year, because you've always talked about an accelerated time frame. Uh, yep. for delivering this into the nickel super cycle um, and you know feasibility studied by the end of the year. So I'm, I'm really keen to understand that. But first of all, for people new to the story, why don't you give us that one minute overview? What are we about to talk about? Sure. Canada Nickel, we have uh, one of the 10 largest nickel sulfide resources uh, in the world today um, with a huge amount of exploration potential. We're sitting just outside Timmins in an established mining camp where you can actually build and permit a large operation with all the infrastructure you need in place. Because of the team's past experience with another project, we can accelerate the development of this project very, very quickly. So from you know, first drilling in September of uh, 2019, uh, we are targeting having our feasibility study complete by the end of this year, which I think would be record pace you know, for any mining project, but one of this scale. And then most particularly, you know, we, you know, we believe nickel is going to enter, you know, one of its super cycles uh, that goes through every 15 to 20 years and, and will be well timed to be able to take advantage of that super cycle, which is, you know, again, you know, creates massive upside uh, for all in investors and shareholders, you know, who've, who've done very well so far. Uh, we're up 8x um, over that time period. And, and, you know, we're looking to, you know, continue to repeat that performance going forward. Yeah, 8x. No, I don't think anyone's complaining about that at all. Um, but just... I came to sort of try and remember back to what it was that you started with, because you had to put together a bunch of moving parts, as it were. So you're a nickel guy. Uh, you understand yeah. the nickel nickel space uh, quite well. We do a weekly nickel show as well on the Crux Investor uh, Club. Um, but remind me about the, the moving parts then. Why did you think you could put them together? And what did what was the sum of the parts that you were aiming to build? Sure. So... Yeah, so I was approached uh, right after I had left uh, RNC Corora um, last uh, the summer of 2019, July 2019, uh, and and this deposit had four holes in it. So the first four discovery holes had been made, um, and I, I saw the potential for what could be a bigger, better Dumont um, fairly clearly through what what those four holes had, had shown. Um, now it was owned in, in a three-way joint venture between a couple uh, smaller public companies and some private individuals. So it took some while to get that deal negotiated, which we did, you know, in, in a relatively short time frame. Uh, we founded the company in September 
of 2019, just you know, 16 months ago. Uh, we started drilling at that point in time with one drill. Uh, we raised six and a half million dollars privately, uh, you know, which again in the North American capital markets for exploration stage companies is 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 not the easiest task by any stretch of the imagination, particularly at that point in time. And and then yeah, we basically ramped up the drilling, built out the team. You know, and, and, you know, we started with hole five and, and today we're at hole 90, um, you know, and in that in that time frame, we've put out two resource updates. Uh, we have completed the first phase of the, the metallurgy work with these types of deposits. That's key, you know, to show that we, we can uh, demonstrate recoveries the same or comparable to, uh, you know, Dumont, which is the, you know, the, 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 the example for, you know, for this type of uh, deposit. Um, and then, you know, built a broad base of support in the community already with, with uh, MOUs with both First Nations groups uh, in, in the area and, 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 and again, in the local community, you know, the mayor came out, um, you know, very supportive of us in, in a several news stories uh, over the Christmas break. So, you know, I'm really proud of our team's accomplishments to be able to get that done in 16 months. And again, hopefully 12 months from now, you know, we're talking to you about the feasibility study that we just, just put out. So, but come back to that, the, the, the beginning, there are four holes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you say, oh, I saw the potential there, was it like, yeah hope and luck or was it no the data we saw there and what we knew about the area allows to make an intelligent decision about this working because again we see so many companies coming on here and it's just you know they're just it's lifestyle it's like just trying to raise, find a project raise some money pay themselves a salary and something good comes along so what gave you the confidence this could be better than dumont which is you know not an insignificant project yeah, the part that sort of, you know, over the decade we spent with Dumont, you know, came to realize, you know, that a lot of the early stage geophysics that you do really helps you understand, you know, not just the geology of the deposit, but the mineralogy of the deposit. So that was number one. And so it was very clear that, you know, this, the geophysics showed a very large, good example of what this deposit could be. The second thing is the four holes, you know, had sort of three key characteristics you know, that really stood out and, and again, differentiate us, you know, versus a bunch of the other projects, um, you know, you know, that are out there, most of which have been around for 40 or 50 years and drilled off uh, a few nickel super cycles ago. Um, one is you had very large, uh, you know, widths of, of, you know, several hundred meters, 400, 500 meters of drill intersection, some of which, you know, had ended in nickel mineralization. So one, it was very clear that, you know, the nickel mineralization that shows up in the geophysics was actually there. The second piece was, you know, what really makes these deposits work, and this is something a lot of people don't understand, is there's a right amount of sulfur. Um, and sorry, forget, I'm a little technical for a minute here, but what it comes down to is you want enough sulfur to soak up all the nickel as it becomes available, but not too much sulfur that it ends up creating a bunch of iron sulfides. And, and the issue with that is um, if you end up with a lot of iron sulfides around, when you try and make a concentrate, you know, there are projects in Minnesota and elsewhere, you know, um, that have ended up with an 8% nickel concentrate as opposed to a 20, 28% nickel concentrate, like we just did, you know, in our lock cycle test. So, you know, th there's an optimal amount of sulfur and that was very clear in, in these drill holes that, you know, it did have sulfur in the right range. And then the third piece and the most important part, again, us versus all of the other larger low grade deposits that are out there 
you know, it was clear, you know, in those four holes that looked like there was the potential for a very consistent higher grade core um, running through the center of the ore body. And the big plus with that is when you build a large scale open pit mine mill project, which these will all be eventually, um, if you can feed a higher grade material through the mill, you know, for as long as possible, you know, all of that incremental grade comes through as incremental free cash flow and, and, you know, has a huge impact on the project economics. That's why we've been so keen, you know, to advance this, you know, so quickly is, you know, cause we know, you know, what th that answer uh, is, is going to look like. So it's those three things that really made that deposit from just four holes really stand out. And, and, and so far we've been proven correct, you know, on, on all three fronts. No, that, that, that's, that's really interesting. Actually answers a question which has been sent in just this morning, actually, okay, around uh, <laughs> metallurgy and recovery and, economics is it the metallurgy is to determine whether you can extract it and secondly can yeah. you do it economically is that what, is that what you say yeah right. that's correct yeah and and i realize you know our release at 46 and 51 percent you know it's kind of tough to get excited about those kinds of numbers on, on the face value but you know the key is again dumont's the benchmark it's 43 percent uh, recovery life of mine uh, at Dumont, in the feasibility study, we had to do a huge pile of work to get just a few years of high grade because we don't have that high grade core. So Dumont starts mining at five times the milling rate to be able to pull out the higher grade bits so they can get a few years uh, of recovery north of 50%. You know, we'll be able to start at a much lower capital cost because we don't have to mine at anywhere close to that rate. And we can start with a slightly smaller mill to be able to make make it happen so you know that's you know the, the the key is 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 not the absolute number itself but what it implies for the economics and and, and again with deposits of this scale uh you you effectively need to recover around one pound a nickel to cover the operating cost per ton you know that second pound a nickel you recover is a 50 percent operating margin and, and if you get three or four pounds you're looking at 65 to 75 percent operating margins and and that's the kind of thing that we're going to hope you know be able to show uh, when we get our PEA uh, completed here uh, by the end of the first quarter. Okay, so it absolutely matters um, that you're not having to reinvent the wheel or come up with a new process because it takes time and try and work out what you know what the economics are with that new process. Plus, I don't think banks like it either. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, and it's something that you say to me on a weekly um, basis, which is like, you know, I know you've done some comparisons to Dumont here, but you say we need, the world needs all the nickel we could, we can get a hold of. It's just a question, you know, some will be more economic than others, but we need it all. Yeah, no, the, 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 at the end of the day, you know, um, the key takeaway from Tesla's battery day presentation, you know, they have a three terawatt battery production target by 2030. With very conservative assumptions, Tesla alone will need one to one and a half million tons of nickel per annum, you know, and the entire market today is two and a half million tons. And, you know, they're not going to be 100% of the EV market at that, that point in time. So I don't think most of the market just doesn't realize just how much nickel we're going to need, you know, to, to meet demand. Glencore's come out with a forecast by 2050 of 9 million tons. You know, that's almost 4x the amount of nickel that we're mining today. And there's no visibility on any of that project. You know, to give you the idea, importance of the scale. So the two best high-grade sulfide discoveries of the 2010s were one called Nova Bollinger, uh, which was 300,000 tons of higher-grade higher nickel that was purchased for $1.8 billion in 2015. Um, and then another deposit called Sakati, which is owned by Anglo-American, which was around 
400,000 tons of contained nickel. That's one quarter, that entire resource, not the rate at which they can mine it, their entire resource is one quarters of Tesla's uh, nickel consumption uh, by 2030. So if you're an EV maker, you know, you want to lock in large scale, you know, uh, production that can be, you know, your, you know, can be expanded as you grow your EV business. So deposits like ours, these large low grade deposits with, you know, close to 3 million tons uh, of contained nickel, um, you know, are exactly the kind of scale asset that these, these, these companies will be looking for. Again, we're just getting into it. You saw you know, Tesla do a deal on the lithium side. You know, I think this year and next, you're going to see a bunch of the automakers come into the nickel space uh, in a meaningful way. And I guess they, they're also looking for a scale. We, again, it's something you've mentioned in the past because it goes through, you know, different cycles. If, well, if if there are going to be cycles going forward, who knows? Um, oh, no, there will always, always, always be cycles. No, as soon as everyone starts talking about lasting forever, you know, it's about to end. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and I also want to talk about, and again, something again we, we have talked about in, in the club, but I want to talk about First Nations. We've had some yeah. emails in from my guest people who are coming from outside of investing in mining and saying, what is this First Nations? What is this Aboriginal topic you keep talking about? It's it's our land. It's our uh, industries which are keeping, you know, giving those guys jobs. So why do you keep mentioning it? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's fundamental, you know, the, the, the permission to operate in a region, you know, all of the territory that we are operating on, you know, belong to the First Nations. Um, and you, we have to, you know, acknowledge and, and work um, with those communities. And so, you know, what I, with Dumont in my past life, you know, I was very proud of the fact that we were able to permit, um, you know, one of the, what would be one of the largest base metal mines in Canada, um, you know, with, with very broad community support and very little dissent um, during that process. We expect to be able to duplicate, you know, this here. And so, you know, having both agreements in place and particularly, you know, our agreement with Tequa Tagamu Nation, they're looking to win. They want to go beyond a traditional impact benefits agreement where they want to deploy their capital into our project, you know, which would be, you know, that's something that you don't see uh, happen, you know, very often in the resource space and, and why it's so important. You know, there's enough, you know, Canada is a quote mining friendly jurisdiction, um, but there are a number of projects that, you know, have not only been tied up for years and in some case decades, um, that have been shut down entirely because those companies, you know, haven't, you know, dealt with that fundamental principle, you know, that you are, you know, um, you know, uh, working on uh, territory and resources that are owned um, by that First Nations group, and you need to, um, you know, approach approach it with that and 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 make sure it works for everybody, in, you know, all the all the different communities, you know, that you're working with locally. So, you know, you know, with that initial mindset. You know, we want to get this project permit and built as, as quickly as possible. And, you know, to get through that permitting process when, you know, all, all of the various political levels need to get, um, you know, need, need to get engaged to make that happen as quickly as possible. It's just far easier when they know there's a broad base of local support and vocal support uh, for your project. So again, I would encourage people, you know, you can look at the local Timmins press in terms of what the mayor is saying, in terms of what the First Nations are saying locally. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful, um, you know, for our relationship 
um, at this point. Okay, and let me answer. I'll answer it another way for yeah. those people. Okay, beginners, not anything. If you don't have the buy-in of the First Nations, they can kill your project because it's not going anywhere. That's a real simple way of looking at it for some oh. people. Oh, yep. And Joe Biden, day one, is going to kill the Keystone XL project, which is a you know tens of billions of dollars project that have been is already half half spent previous previously permitted, and they're basically ripping the permits back. So that's that's what happens if if you don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, I'm going to come back to this word accelerated because you said that to me day one. I I heard this story day one. I've been following it. You've done a good job, but you, you, you keep using this phrase accelerator, right? So when I look at some of the things, just to finish off last year, you finished off with a, an agreement, an MOU with Glencore for the, for the yep. um, Kid Creek plant, which is obviously great. It's had a knock on because you've, you've decided to not bring out the PEA at the beginning of this year, as you'd hope, because you want to incorporate those numbers. So what, what's, yep. the, what's the timing on that again? When can we yeah, so, more, more certainty around those numbers? Yeah, we've pushed the PEA out till the end of the first quarter, you know, and the reason why, and again, pe some people say, oh, non-binding MOU, you know, you know, why is that, you know, why is that, that sounds just like a piece of paper, you know, with nothing to it. You know, the key thing with these scale of deposits, and again, there's several of these around the world is that, you know, um, Dumont is the lowest capital cost option on the table right now until we complete, you know, RPA and hopefully show that we'll be even lower capital cost. You know, it comes with a billion dollar price tag, you know, and, and for a lot of investors to finance that scale of project, even if you do great work, you work with a great engineering firm like Asenko, who has a great track record, you know, that's still a big check to write. So that's Dumont's is a billion or yours is? Dumont is a billion. Yeah. And, and again, as I said, you know, we'll be, should be able to start smaller scale. So hoping to come in under that number, the Kid Creek, uh, this announcement, being able to use an existing mill site with an existing tailings facility, you know, they're only utilizing 50% of the capacity of that mill today, you know, provides us the tremendous opportunity to get started and prove that everything works with a fraction a small fraction of that upfront capital cost, you know, that we were talking about. So, you know, in terms of the pool of potential investors, you know, the, the, it is just a far easier, far more attractive investment proposition, you know, from a whole range of strategic investors, um, you know, when they can, when they can get going, you know, at a fraction of the capital cost. The other key component, again, to the accelerator part, yes, we've delayed the PEA three months, you know, but, you know, to retrofit an existing mill to get started versus building a great big new mill, you know, that's, you know, that's less than a year versus two years. Um, and, you know, in terms of permitting, again, hope we're still going to permit the great big project. We're not going to pretend to start small and oops, you know, we're going to build a 50,000 ton a day plant at some point. No, it's, um, you know, uh, this, you know, this should allow us to also get, you know, get through the permitting process, you know, much faster. So, you know, what I'm hoping for is, is, you know, being able to be, you know, in production sometime in a 2023, early 2024 timeframe, as opposed to a late 2024, 2025 timeframe at best. So right. again, much less capex, much faster. Um, and, and again, it's a win-win for both sides. They've got idle capacity. Uh, our tailings help uh, potentially help remediate um, their, their tailings um, because of a difference in, in, in pH uh, between our two uh, two sets of tailings. So, uh, you know, you, when it's a win-win for both sides, you know, that's when you can negotiate a good deal. I mean, no, negotiating with all, Glencore is never easy, but I think there's there's a real 
there's business value for both sides and and uh you know, we are confident that we'll be able to get there by the by the end of this quarter. Okay, so accelerated uh, in terms of cash flows, accelerated and permitting, etc. Good. But let me just come back. I want to make sure I understand this. Yeah. So Glencore is using fifty percent of the capacity of the mill currently. Is that are they yeah. looking to phase that out, or will you are you trying to ha- have a discussion with them about being able to just use fifty percent going forward for a period of time? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of options on the table that mill, you know, currently with the, that mine is supposed to run out based on the current mine plan in in 2022. Um, So, but as of right now, there's two mill circuits that are currently not utilized. Uh, And again, from our side, in terms of the overall um, mining operation, um, you know, to the extent that whatever we do as part of this, we're calling our phase zero to get started, you know, if all of the capital that we're spending has, you know, has life beyond just this initial phase, you know, then it's going to make it, you know, any even, even better investment. So, um, you know, we'll be looking to start relatively small um, to get this thing going and then, um, um, uh, and be able to continue to use that, that, you know, those smaller milling circuits, you know, over the life of mine, again, there's a whole range of options, you know, we're going to look at with the Glencore team, Again, having all that infrastructure, it'd be nicer if it was another 20 kilometers closer to our deposit, but, you know, where it is still provides a huge range of options. And, and uh, I'm very excited to be able to work with, uh, you know, the Glencore team to unlock, you know, unlock them for both of us. Okay. And this might be a bit early to answer, but when you yeah. say you like be able to start up at a fraction of this billion dollar plus CapEx requirement, yeah. what, what are we below 50%, below 25%? What's a fraction? Oh, I would say well below fifty percent, and and you know we'll see what that number is at, at this point in time. But yeah, I know it's it's going to be uh, you know um, meaningful. It's going to be meaningful. Okay, very very meaningful number. Yeah. Okay, so the press release came out. So I think so. Okay, let me finish off uh, last year. So did you achieve everything you wanted to achieve last year in terms of this accelerated delivery? Yeah. No, I think you know we we we. In terms of the resource, the network, you know, again, there was a few delays as we went through, didn't quite get there as done as quickly as possible. But, you know, again, I think, you know, going from a fifth drill hole to a PEA on what will be one of the largest nickel operations, global sulfide operations globally in the world in, in, in uh, you know, 17, sorry, 19 months is, is a, you know, is an excellent achievement. So. Right. And so you, as far as you're concerned, the goals that you set, the company, the goals that you set yourself, you think you delivered. Yeah, for sure. And we're, you know, heading on track, COVID permitting, you know, to to be you know, deliver that feasibility study by year end. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about 2021 because you got to you got to keep it going, got to keep that momentum going. Yeah. So, um, sort press release, resource numbers haven't really changed much. What's going on there? Oh, with the, yeah. So we put out um, a resource update today. Uh, we, we had previously disclosed that our resources weren't pit constrained. Right. And so, and we said, we're going to put that out with the PEA um, at year end, you know, obviously we've, we've delayed that. And we were asked by the regulator to just, um, you know, restate the resource adding the pit constraint, which obviously will reduce um, that number. The good thing for us is, you know, again, we've done everything with a very, very, very sharp value focus. So we had a model on this deposit about six weeks in, you know, and we use that to really guide our drilling. So, uh, you know, as I expected, you know, we ended up with, uh, you know, zero percent impact on the measured and indicated resource in the higher grade core, which is the bulk of the value of the deposit. Uh, you know, we're less than 0.1 percent on the overall measured and indicated resource 
um, you know, for the entire deposit, you know, and then again, you were, you, you know, we designed it so that any impact would be, you know, just at an inferred level that we didn't spend money drilling stuff that we knew wouldn't end up in a pit. So, you know, 90% of what came out was, was below 300 meters on the north and south side of, of the deposit. The other key point is, you know, with the cutoff for that resource was, was sometime uh, late September, early October. You know, we've discovered the north zone, we've discovered the west zone, we've extended the main zone. So, you know, we've likely added a multiple of that resource already, you know, in terms of what came off that last one. So, um, you know, we'll uh, and we'll be considering them going forward. So, well, okay. So, does that um, restriction by the exchange to put that, you know, pit, the you know the um, the pit constraints in now? Does that change your thinking yeah. in terms of how you spend your money? on, you know, drilling out and, you know, working out what the size and, and scale of this opportunity is? No, no, we've gone from, you know, 3.2 million tonnes of contained nickel to 2.9 million tonnes of contained nickel. And we, again, we probably added back a multiple of that. And again, the reason why we're going with the PEA now is, you know, again, that first resource that we published, you know, almost a year ago, you know, that on its own was one of the world's largest nickel sulfide discoveries. So rather than, you know, some junior mining companies are fine just to drill and never actually advance the project, you know, what we had back in February was good enough to, to you know, build a sizable nickel operation on it. You know, what we're looking at now is just, um, you know, how long this plant we're gonna build is gonna last and how quickly and how many times we can expand it. Okay, so last year, last last question for about last year's. Last year we saw huge gains. Your share price, huge gains. Uh, nickel companies yep. did generally did quite well if if they had something about them. Um, what's your yep. view on this year, and and will that impact your ability to you know one go and raise capital, how you spend your money, and exactly how you deliver your feasibility study? Yeah, no, no. I think you know in terms of you know upside from here. You know, some people say, oh, you know, Lasan curve says, oh, you're at your PA, you know, coming to a PA point, you know, this isn't, isn't so good. Um, I would point to, you know, several things. One is, um, yeah, we're doing a PA on part of the deposit, um, but, you know, we've got step outs within Crawford um, that are going to continue to make it much, much larger. Um, we've got our five option properties, which we flew the geophysics on this fall. Um, and we have some pretty exciting targets there that we're going to, um, we're going to be talking about. So again, you know, these are potentials for multiple Crawfords. Um, you know, you see these things uh, occur in clusters in, in Western Australia and Northern Manitoba at a much smaller scale in Northern Manitoba, but they do appear in clusters. And so, you know, again, you know, we're thinking, you know, that it's just not, it's not just Crawford, but, you know, we are unlocking an entire nickel district here. And again, in a market that's short of nickel outside of Indonesia, you know, I think, you know, when we are able to demonstrate that, you're going to see some pretty significant re-rating on that front. You know, the other key piece, you know, again, this is not a copper deposit, you know, that's relatively straightforward. So, you know, we're just six months into the network. We've delivered great numbers. Um, but we still have, you know, it took Dumont several years to get to the same point that we are at now. So, you know, you're going to see upsides in terms of that network here as we move forward. And then on the net zero front, you know, again, you know, we talked last July about being able to deliver a zero carbon nickel, a zero carbon uh, iron product. And so, you know, we're doing now that we've got the concentrate from the lock cycle tests that we did at the end of the year, 
we can actually do some meaningful lab work, um, you know, which again, you're going to see results on that through the first half uh, of this year. So, um, you know, there's going to be a bunch of very significant milestones as we get to the latter half of the year. Um, you know, we'll be look at, you know, in terms of broader financing solutions to be able to, to bring the project forward. Uh, and then you'll have a feasibility study um, by year end, which will likely include, you know, a very low CapEx uh, starting point, you know, utilizing um, the infrastructure at Kid Creek. So it's going to be a very, very exciting 2021. And I, I hope we can repeat our performance in, in 2020. Yeah, well, absolutely. But a couple of things there. Okay, you've got to focus yeah. on Crawford and you've got to show how you're going to deliver the feasibility study, right? That That's number yeah. one goal. Above above everything, but when people start talking yeah. in language of you know district wide opportunities and multiple Crawfords etc., that takes money. So you've got to work out where you get the money from and your timing of that. So I, I, I understanding that you may have multiple Crawfords is great, but you've got to you've got to get that timing right. So what's your thinking at the moment? How's the board coming out this? Yeah. So you know, in terms of you know, one of the key pieces of um, getting that met work done was, you know, for a bunch of strategic investors, seeing those met results was, was, was a key step. So, you know, I think, you know, through the first half of the year, you'll see some, you know, significant movement uh, on that front. Um, you know, what, in terms what, what of the you amount mean? of capital. On what, on what front? Partners, potential partners. As the partners in equity investment, I think at this point, you know, we want to keep a hundred percent of the asset and we'll kind of keep them kicked up the capital structure. Um, yeah, in terms of, again, with the Kid Creek option, having a much, much lower capital cost uh, to be able to get started opens up a huge range of potential financing options. The more options you have, the lower the cost of that capital. And so, you know, I think by the second half of the year, you'll see some interesting developments on, on that front as we push forward to the completion of the feasibility study. And then in terms of being, you know, being able to unlock that potential, the district scale potential, you know, we created the 10th you know, one of the top 10 nickel sulfide resources, you know, with less than $10 million Canadian of expiration dollars. Again, you know, going back to what I said around, you know, this resource statement and our value focused approach on expiration. You know, I'm not a geologist. I sometimes geologists get caught up in what's interesting as opposed to what adds value. And so, you know, our drilling will be very, very focused on just, you know, getting to that district potential for the lowest dollar potential amount. So it's not going to take, you know, a huge, huge amount of expiration dollars at this point, you know, to unlock those. And, and again, if it makes sense to, to, you know, once we've, you know, um, seen if something's there to unlock them, you know, we'll do that at that time. And again, if the market's rewarding us for finding them, you know, then, then we'll go back and, and raise the capital at that point in time. But, uh, you know, I'm very confident we've got, you know, good amount of cash in the bank and, you know, we'll be, in, in good shape through the balance of what we need to do in 2021. See, that that, int that intrigues me um, it, because if you've got to be frugal with, with your cash to be able to prove up the district-wide potential there, there's two audiences you normally talk to. One is a strategic partner, but if you're saying you want to retain 100% of, of what you've got here, then you're going to have to drill to appease the market. So, And, and with that comes... You know, you you got to kind of give give and take there, in, in the sense that the market wants to hear one thing, a strategic partner may be slightly more technical and want to hear other things. So, how do you get that balance? Well, again, I think the sort of the you know the whole stream of work in terms of the PA and feasibility study and the various components of that, um, you know, which we had laid out last fall and, and are executing on now, you know, that will feed the strategic investor side of of of, of the investment equation. And again, in terms of you know, expiration around Crawford and then expiration step outs, you know, around the, 
uh, option properties, you know, will, I think, you know, provide the market, you know, some pretty significant uh, um, things to get excited about as the year goes on. What's your preference? Because we've seen a few models employed this year, even with some nickel companies, actually, where they bring in strategic partners who take an equity position, not just uh, cap- capital, but an equity position. I mean, have you got a, something, have you worked out how you would approach funding the company going forward outside of, you know, more dilutive equity raises? Yeah, no, I think at this point, um, you know, it'll, it'll be getting a, you know, a strategic, strategic investor in at the at equity level. It's not going to be, again, we're not talking about selling them 30% of the company at this point in time, you know, it's talking about five to 10% of the company. That's, you know, that's this quantum of capital, uh, you know, that we need um, right now. Um, and again, I'd like to keep 100% ownership of the asset right now that multi- maximizes any value in an auction, um, you know, which ultimately I think will end up in at some point in time. I think, you know, in terms of, you know, streams and royalties until you really, you know, uh, unless it's for our own account, um, you know, uh, royalty and streams at this point in time, while we're still unlocking the resource, you know, just, just, you know, don't make sense uh, at this point in time, you know, but we've got, you know, all those levers there um, to play with. So if for some reason the equity market's not there, but uh, again, I'm, I'm not anticipating any issues, get, you know, getting the capital we need this year. Just go start your own royalty company, Mark. It's very popular. Who knows? Very popular. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, look, that, that, that's fantastic. I appreciate you giving us that sort of update on. But I, I went over a bit of old ground there because I just need to remind myself yeah. where you come from because you have delivered the accelerated bit last year. And if you can hit some of those targets for this year uh, in an accelerated manner, um, could be exciting times, very exciting times for you. Appreciate your time today. Oh, no, Matthew, thanks again for your support. You know, 2020 was a great year, um, but, you know, to be honest, I think 2021 uh, is even going to be more exciting as we really take some concrete steps moving this project forward. Uh, you know, one is, you know, by this time next year, and we're having this conversation, you know, hopefully we delivered on the Glencore Kid Creek MOU uh, by early this year. Uh, we'll follow that up with the, the uh, PEA, which, you know, will be in line with what our expectations for it. Um, we'll have delivered uh, test results that prove that we can, uh, you know, hit the net zero nickel, net zero iron that we talked about, um, you know, which I think is a very, very exciting development in, in, in this kind of market. Uh, I think we'll have our feasibility study complete uh, by the end of this year on Crawford, you know, and then as we just talked about, you know, the option property potential of this area that we've got the potential for having multiple Crawfords, um, you know, again, in a market that's desperate for, you know, large amounts of nickel to be able to meet the demand coming uh, from the EV sector. And, and again, I think we're going to hit all these milestones in a year that, you know, by this, at this point next year, you know, people are going to be even more excited about the nickel market as, as we see a bumper, you know, just a huge year for the EV market. Uh, I think with this Biden election, it's, it's going to be a very, very exciting uh, 2021 on that front as well. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.